So today we're here to talk about e-stops. So Jerry, what is an e-stop? We've gotten a lot of inquiries. Tell me what one is. An e-stop or e-button or e-switch is a device that turns off all the dispensers. It's an emergency shutoff switch button. And it's on the front of the building and it is made to be within 20 feet of the closest dispenser or 100 feet from the closest dispenser. And that's required by the NEC and the fire code. NFPA? Yes. And with that, it when somebody hits it, it instantaneously turns off all power to the dispensers and to the fueling system. Why is that important? If there's a fire, if there's an emergency, a spark of some type, there's no fuel that can be let out anymore or get into the system. So if there is somebody hit a dispenser or somebody drives off with a hose, um, all of those things can create sparks. And because of that, that emergency stop shuts off any source to ignite the fuel if it's spilling. Where does the wiring begin and end with an e-stop? The wiring always begins in the back room with the control system. It's wired to a contactor or some device that will actually instantaneously turn off the power. So usually contactors, relays, those type of devices that are powered on all the time through the e-stop. When you hit the e-stop, it actually opens the circuit and creates a power shortage or just no power. So everything shuts off. So that's a normally open or normally closed? It's normally closed. Um, you can use a normally open on some of the systems so that when you push it, it actually does a shunt trip, which then shuts off power like to a sub panel. Don't like using those because then that's direct voltage from the breaker straight through that. So it's pretty high voltage. Don't want to get people shocked. The new codes are written to where the e-stop the e has to be able to be maintained and where they're using shunt trips, they still are, they meet the code, but they're not reliable. So, so getting back to wiring it, when you say from the back room, <clears throat> explain that a little bit more. Well, okay. It, it all starts from the control system. Starts for the in, fueling. For the fueling. Starts in the control system for the fueling. So what it does uh, is the e-stop itself is normally close contact the way we wire them. You run one wire out, the, the positive side of the switch, and then you run the other wire back, which is the negative side of the switch, which is normally closed. And so that supplies power constantly. Does that go to the PLC? It can go to a PLC, or it can go just straight contactors. We have done it both ways. We've used PLCs with an e-stop configuration programmed into them, or we've done it just through straight contract contactors. Are there different types of e-stops? Why There's, do you pick a specific, why normally closed? And, and what do those look like when they're attached to the building? How would someone know that that's an e-stop? Well, normally closed because when you open it, it drops the circuit out. So there's no more power. Um, what do they look like? They're usually a red button or there's some kind of button. It could be green. It could be any color. Um, We've seen people that have used light switches that are momentary light switches that do the same thing. Um, the code in Nevada the, requires it to be momentary. Other jurisdictions, can you can use a light switch itself that just turns on and off like a house light. But the problem with that is that when you turn the switch back to on, 
it turns everything back on. So the code here in Nevada has been more restrictive. So you physically, once you hit the stop button, you have to go someplace else to turn everything back on. If you use a regular light switch, like a typical 7-Eleven, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> 7-Eleven will just use a light switch. So when you have to turn the the e-stop button back on that we use, and you do that from the back room with a breaker, or how do you turn it back on? We put it away from the location of where the operator, the cashier, or somebody else, they have to physically go back and reset it. That way they can look and see why it got tripped. Why did somebody hit it? They physically have to figure out why it was hit and what's going on before they can reset it. They just can't turn it back on because it could be... Somebody drove off with a hose. Somebody ran into a dispenser. Somebody punctured a hole someplace. And there's fuel flying everywhere. So with that e-stop, it forces you being in a remote location to reset. You have to physically go look and see why and understand why. Not necessarily know all the reasons, but why. That's the function of that e-stop in order for them to be, make it safe. One of the questions we've been asked is why it gets hardwired, why the circuit is recommended to be hardwired into the PLC? Well, when we use a PLC, um, <clears throat> because it constantly has voltage to it, so it's always constantly monitoring it and looking at it and seeing that, because a PLC has to have constant voltage on it in order to wire it the right way. You can do it other ways, but usually um, someone could turn a breaker off. And if you turned the breaker off and they didn't know it was off and they went to hit the e-stop and it's not working, oh, well, it doesn't work. So then they're back to square one of what happened. So why did it happen? The biggest thing that we find what people are trying to figure out is how they wire them. So it's a certain configuration that you have to do. It, the analogy that I like to use to show people that how you wire e-stops in series is you use a shoestring. And most people don't understand that. So you take a string and you lay it out and then you put a button normally closed in between it. And you put a string on the other side then you put a button in between it. You can continue on. As long as that button is not broke, that wire will go forever. And people have a hard time understanding that, especially with ours, because we make it so easy. You remove one wire, put another wire in its place. And they just can't seem to figure that small part out. But it doesn't matter how many buttons are in nope. that series. You hit one and everything shuts, shuts off. off. Yes. So you could have 100 buttons. And it makes no difference. One shuts off everything. And that's called in series. So when you install an e-stop in the they're outside, do yes. you also stop install an e-stop inside in series? Yes, they're all at inside. the counter. Or? We can do them at the counter. We can do them in the back room. A lot of the sites do them at the counter. We put them at the counter so that the cashier can look out the windows or somebody screams or yells or whatever. They have access to an e-stop instead of having to run to a remote location themselves. It's right there, readily accessible for them. And we also give them the start buttons. Same thing, is that they can look and see. So the most confusing thing when people call is more because it's in series? Most because it's in series, they don't understand how series works compared to parallel. Parallel is in conjunction. They all wire the same way. With series, they have to be in a street line. Has to be a line. So difference in circuitry. When the e-stop gets hit on site... And everything shuts down, what's the next step? What's the process for that? Usually what happens is that um, when the e-stop is hit, all the power goes off the dispensers, so there's no power. 
So the POS system, which is the point of sale where the cashier rings up your products or whatever you have to go in and pay for it with, with credit cards or anything, when you go inside, they will go offline. And they'll see that they're offline. They're not communicating anymore. So they can't do any other transactions. No transactions can happen, period. So the cashier is usually the first line of defense or the first person to notice that because people are trying to either buy fuel or they're buying fuel and it all shuts off. And they'll notice that on their screens. Their screens will show little marks that, well, actually different POS systems, different marks. Some have little checks next to them. Some the actual dispenser disappears. But it's obvious that but it's obvious the e-stop's been hit. Something's been hit and took everything offline. So then are they, what's what's the next step? Do the they... next step is usually what they do is they walk outside to see what's going on. <clears throat> Want to know who hit the e-stop or why they hit the e-stop. So they visually check to see the whole surrounding areas. Or they just start screaming at the manager. <laughs> <laughs> so someone at these stop. So if if somebody drove away with the hose in their car, which we've seen happen, does that automatically um, cause the e stop to trip, or it has to be manually done every time? It has to be manually done. So um, the hose driving away. The only thing I reason I use that analogy is because it can create a spark. So if fuel's leaking. Um, and, a, and something's caught it on fire, you hit the e-stop in order to stop the fuel of the source from going to it. The hose necessarily will not cause the problem. It'll splash fuel everywhere. Right. But it'll, it'll stop pumping that. So. I mean, obviously, when someone runs into it in a dispenser, it's a little bit obvious that you have to hit the e-stop. <laughs> but I don't know if you'd notice somebody driving right away with the no. hose sticking out of the back of their car. Not until they're driving down the street with the hose sticking out. It's like a snake. <laughs> so is there a protocol that's required by the fire department or code that it, when the e-stop is hit that they have to follow? Or is that just some internal? Well, the code is being redefined every, every code cycle. They're looking at this more and more and more because of all the problems that they've had over the years. Um, so they've, they've come into determination that you know, the e-stop needs to shut off all power. Everything. It's got to shut off low voltage, high voltage. So if you have communications out there, if you have data, all of that stuff has to be shut off, period. Um, and the reef defining With one that. source. One source. One button, one source. Also, they're doing that for maintaining. Now, that's another subject for maintenance and work and repairs. But the same thing has to happen if you turn off that dispenser. When you turn the breaker off or turn off any source to it, it's supposed to turn everything off. Right. But the e-stop does that automatically. It doesn't. But do they have a protocol? Is there something that says, okay, there's if somebody's hit the e-stop, obviously that's an emergency stop. So what does that mean? Do they then call the fire department? Do they just check? Do they have, they there's just, no formal there's, procedure. They just visually right. and then move right. from there. Yep. The operationals, whatever the store's operational manual says to do, that's what they do. Okay. But historically, it's just they look around to make sure that nothing's damaged, nobody's hurt. Nothing's happening. So, and because of that, they have to be aware of their environment. That's it. And how do they know where the e-stop is? <clears throat> I mean, I know we know the code, but how would a normal person that's pumping gas and sees somebody drive away and there's... That comes back to the 20-foot rule. So closest an e-stop can be to a, to a dispensing device is 20 feet. Can't be any closer. But how would they know that it's... 20 feet from there. They're not going to know the no, code. No, they don't know that. But the reason the code states that is because they want so many steps before they hit the e-stop. 
and they want no further than 100 because they want you not to have to run more than 100 feet in order to get to a knee stop. Some of us would have a heart attack. Yes. <laughs> so here locally, in most jurisdictions that we've dealt with across the United States, require the sign to be put high enough so it can be seen over the top of a car. So there's signage. Yes. The signage tells you that the e-stop is here. Here, they've gone a little step farther, and they've used they've, they've actually determined how big it can be, the letter size and the color. For here in Nevada, it is a yellow sign, 12 by 12, with a minimum of two-inch letters being at least black, but the sign itself has to be yellow. So you can have blue letters, you can have white letters. They're not specifying that, but they have to be two inches. Has to be visible from this, any dispenser that you're looking at. Okay. Now you can have multiple e stops like you talked about before. So you can have one closer than twenty feet to a dispenser, but if you look how far the dispensers are apart, they're probably twenty foot apart. So you can have multiple e stops within one area. That would shut off the entire system. Yes. Okay. Same thing. One e stop shuts everything off. We've built sites that are forty eight dispensers, and we had. Six e-stops built within them, so the configuration of that 20 feet to that 100-foot radius always is met. And the, the, the confusing part is, is mostly with the electricians trying to wire them in. They get confused about how to wire in a simple thing called series circuits. It's confusing. Well, maybe they won't now. So let's say we have a scenario where someone presses the e-stop in an emergency situation and the e-stop fails. What would the next step be? Would there be another way to disable the system? Yes, there's another way, but you have to turn the breakers off. So they'd have to understand how and where the panel was so, and, and yes. what breaker went to what dispensers. And, and where the main panel is to turn everything off. But even if they're turning a breaker off to a dispenser, let's say they're marked well and they know and they turn that breaker off to that dispenser, does it turn off all the power? Just to that dispenser. It doesn't turn off all the power, no. It only turns off the power to the dispenser, but not the low voltage side. So you still have data running out there. You still have intercom running out there. So, And when I mean by data, I'm talking about... Um, Two sets of wires. You can have Cat5 cables out there. You can have twisted pair wire out there. All kinds of other little things that will keep power on that dispenser, even though you turn yes, even though you turn the breaker off. So, is it a fail-safe system? No, but is it reliable? Absolutely. E stops are very reliable. So, who um, during the process of finalizing stores, who comes out and? checks the e-stops so that they're operational? Several people. First one for, as you're building a store with an electrician, the first one is the jurisdiction having authority, the inspector. He'll come out and look at it. The electrical inspector will come out. He'll check it. He'll make sure. He verifies that it works. He'll want you to do it. Then it's the fire department. Fire department, almost every jurisdiction across the country will do the same thing. They'll verify and check to make sure that it's doing its job. They won't look to make sure that everything shuts off, but they'll make sure that it, the dispensers themselves shut off. The electrical inspector does the other side. He does everything. Makes so sure. they literally come out and push the button. Yep, push the button. Okay. And they want to see it reset too. So they want to see both. They want to see it shut off and they want to see it start back up. And what's really confusing is when they have these LED screens, there's these LCD screens, they never go away. 
because they, uh-huh. once you power them up, the screen always has power on it until it drains everything out. And they're confused by it. So they think that the power is still on. I would too. Yeah. But mm-hmm. it's those LCD screens, the liquid ones. So it's, it's funny because they'll say, that's power still on. No, it's not. <laughs> it doesn't work. So, but those are the ones that look at it. Then the health department in this area, again, Nevada, the health department looks at them too. They're not required to. They don't necessarily care. They always just check. But the other two jurisdictions. Life safety. Yeah. Yeah. So environmental safety is what they're looking for. Okay. For spills and all of that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Yep. Yep. The health department is more critical on our side that we don't get a permit through than for for NE. Um because they want to make sure that nothing will spill or nothing gets out of the containment areas. Any being the electrical contractor, contractor. that yeah. actually installs the yes. A-stops yep. that we provide them. Yes. PLCs use ladder logic. Once we write our ladder logic, we use them on all the PLCs of the same, the same process. Ladder logic works the same way. In fact, I like ladder logic because it's very simple to see. So when Visible. somebody, if somebody's asking you how you would implement that, for an e-stop, using the ladder logic, they would have to write the program if it isn't already in the PLC. Right. But you can do it on paper first because you can show them on paper how to write the ladder logic because it actually looks like a ladder. It's runs. Positive on one side, negative on the other. Then you put your runs in between of your buttons or your contactors and all of that. And so you show them how it works through ladder logic or through pencil and paper. And you can take and copy that same thing, not just copy the paper, but you can copy what you wrote on the paper program into the system. into the system. So, but all of ours come already programmed, already done, already. So even if they lose power, the only thing time they have problems on our PLCs is they lose the time of day if the batteries are not kept up and all of that in a PLC. Otherwise, they don't lose their programs. They have RAM memory on them, and they're always there. And like you said, if you're doing it in series, it doesn't matter if you have one e-stop or 12 e-stops, the ladder logic program would stay the same. Yep. Yep. Because it only looks, for them, it's only looking at one button. So the ladder logic, you can have 40 buttons or 100 buttons in there. The e-stop is, the ladder logic is only looking for one input. Okay. And that's it. So, Jerry, I know we've been concentrating, when we talk about emergency stops, the e-stops, we've been concentrating on fueling stations, but do e-stops go on other buildings or companies or facilities? Uh, Hospitals especially. Hospitals are very volatile because they have oxygen supplies. They have all kinds of other um, internal things going into them. So they have uh, e-stops located per room, per operating room, per um, areas that are highly flammable because they can get breached somehow with some kind of chemical or whatever they happen to have. With the same cost concept of shutting yes. everything off shutting in that area. Shutting everything off in that area. So they, use, they call them a shunt trip usually. They don't have to be a shunt trip, but they use the shunt trips. A lot of high-rise buildings will have e-stops where... Um, Fire department, for fire reasons, they can be able to shut the power off to the facility without having to go into the building. So they have them on a remote location of the building. They're usually under lock and key. Not every time, but 
most of the time they do, they're in like what they call a Knox box, where the only one that has a key to that is the fire department. But that gives them the capability of being able to shut off all the power to the building so they can go in there and not worry about water and electricity mixing. So is that separate from the fire riser room? Um, it's usually by the fire riser room or the front entrance. So uh, the lockbox with these e-stop button is usually close within proximity of those two things. Uh, Standpipes, same thing for fire risers. So they can attach to it. They can see that the box is right there or the e-stop is right there. They don't tie into the fire riser room, but when you lose power to the building, the fire alarm system goes on battery backup or generator backup. And that's the only thing they have, source they have left for it. Okay. But they're used in many instances, hospitals especially. Thank you everyone for listening today. If you enjoyed the show and want to be notified when new episodes get released, please subscribe to our show on your favorite listening app. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Click on the links in the show notes below. Also, your feedback would mean the world to us. Help our listeners in our trade find us by giving us five-star rating and review in Apple Podcast or your favorite listening app. Have a great day and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.